Hi everyone, it is Maggie here. Um, Just a quick note before we start this episode, I just wanted to let you guys know that there is a trigger warning for miscarriage. Um, We don't really go super into it, but just to let you guys know, um, we do discuss miscarriage in this episode. Um, as well, we had a few recording hiccups. Um, so Steph can be a little bit robotic in the first mm, 40 minutes of the episode, but um, the latter half of the episode, um, we redid and it, the quality is much better. So thank you. Hello and welcome to the Cat Mom Podcast, the podcast where moms support other moms like drunk girls in a bar bathroom. I'm your host, Maggie Samick-Lahaye, and no, I'm not a professional. I'm just a mom trying to do her best. Hello and welcome to the Cat Mom Podcast, the podcast where moms support other moms like drunk girls in a bar bathroom. Um, Today, I have a very special guest on with me. She is probably Taylor Swift's number one fan. She (laughs) is a fan of wine baths. She is um, from the big old state of Texas. That was my really bad attempt at a Texan (laughs) accent, which is terrible. No, that that was great. I love it. 10 out of 10. (laughs) um it's Steph hey Steph how are you good how are you I'm okay I'm you know I'm not gonna lie I am a little bit um hungover which is kind of an anomaly for me I'm currently (laughs) I'm currently at my in-laws up island and we went well we didn't go out we went over to some friends a friend's house last night and got a little rowdy um so Usually I'm like a one drink kind of gal these days, but I think I had over half of a bottle of wine. So I'm a little rusty today. Um, Well, you are talking to the best person for that because my nickname when I lived overseas was three glass stuff. Uh, And that was, you know, you could, you could guarantee a good time would be had after three glasses. And I (laughs) love it. I think I was probably uh, like blackout Maggie was probably (laughs) in the early 20s. I was like, I was just drinking to, to, I don't know, to forget my past and to make out with some strangers in the bar. I don't know. I don't know what I was doing in my early 20s, but there was a lot of alcohol included. And now in my late 30s, I'm just like. Yeah, I have like half a bottle of wine. Higher quality alcohol now, at least compared to what it was in the twenties. Very (laughs) true. Like I cannot touch raspberry Smirnoff ever again. Oh gosh! Oh, oh, not good. Even those words just kind of made a a little shiver down my spine. Oh, so bad, so bad. Um. So let's start from the beginning. So, what got you on to our um? web page um yeah and we're not going to use your username normally I ask usernames but yours sort of ties into your last name so for confidentiality reasons we're not going to talk about your username um but yeah do you want to talk about sort of like what got you on on the 
what's it called? Why can't I think of it? The the forum. The boards. The, <laughs> the boards. Yeah. What's the, up? What's the up things that we shall not name. Yeah. Um, I so I ended up on the boards in general um, because there were a couple of, I was really into DIY, if you can believe that now. I am the least crafty person that anybody has ever met. But for whatever cool. reason, I was really into a bunch of DIY and design blogs. And um, like the judgy bitch that I am, I eventually was like, somebody else hates these people too, right? <laughs> so I found um, the board that we shall not name. And that was, you know, years and years ago. And um, at some point, I, you know, I got pregnant with my son. And I was in this weird stage of life where half of my friends had really already had kids and were really pretty well, well settled in to their, you know, having kids and what, you know, they didn't have any pregnancy to go with, with me. Right. Like they mm -hmm. were, they were already into the kid phase or they had zero kids and had zero interest in discussing pregnancy. And so, yeah. um, I wandered in to the forum, just kind of like dipping my toes in of, you know, is there anybody here who wants to talk about this weird pregnancy stuff that is happening to me? Because, um, spoiler alert, I had a lot of weird pregnancy stuff happening. And me too. Me, oh my God. Okay. We can get into that. I love it. Yes. Pregnancy was terrible for me. Oh my gosh. It was, you know, there are some people who pregnancy is the best time of their lives and they're glowing and et cetera. And it, it, it was hard for me. It was, it mm -hmm. was not a, a magical moment for me. And no. um, yes. And so I went into the boards kind of in search of, is anybody here with me? And luckily there were, there were lots of women here with me and people who were going through the same thing that I was at the same time, because a lot of my friends who already had kids couldn't remember um, what was happening to them when they were pregnant or didn't remember details about it. And at the time I remember thinking, that is crazy. How do you not remember <laughs> such a milestone in your life? Um, two babies, I understand. I understand yeah. why they don't remember. <laughs> it's like an amnesia um, thing. I think it's like scientifically proven that you forget the whole like birthing process and like the pain associated with it and also probably the pregnancy. So you do do it again because otherwise everyone exactly. would just have one baby. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and so Eric would, would not get as we know it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, the, the group of the, the Catmulls, what was really interesting is, if you talked about on some previous episodes, it, most online forums are not a great place to find people not judgmental about the thing you're doing. And this was actually kind of unusual as well, because we all ended up on those boards because we were kind of judgmental people. How mm -hmm. <laughs> ended up in a group of who were judgmental you know that anonymity on the internet made us really really open about yes. what we were going through and so it was just kind of this perfect environment for somebody who was going through some pretty scary stuff in pregnancy yeah for sure okay let's talk let's talk pregnancy because I like like I've said I have like a memory of a goldfish so do you want to talk to me about um your first pregnancy with your son and sort of what was what was going on I was never the person that was entirely that I wanted to have kids. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd finally saw the fact that I probably was. A friend and I got off birth control at the same time, and we were talking about how you know, when you've been on birth control for a long time, we'd always heard sometimes it takes a while to get pregnant. So 
we were like, let's just, you know, we're going to get off birth control now. Obviously we talked to our husbands about it, but you know, your friends being on board with you is more important than the husbands. Uh, and so birth control at the same time, she was knocked up. Um, was not. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. That's for her. It's for me. Um, so I took me about 10 months to get pregnant. And I had a and I was the first person I knew my really to have a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And so Oh, one sec, Steph. I'm I'm losing you. You're getting a little robotic. Okay. Okay. Here, try again. You look you sound a little bit better now. Okay. Let's see. Yeah, so maybe go from like you that you were the first of your friends who had had a miscarriage. So I would see that I really knew of my friends. Oh, you're sounding like a robot. Oh, one second. You're you're sounding like a robot again. Here, let me try maybe sending you another link. Maybe this link is just like funky. And then we'll go again. Okay. I will fit. I will disconnect, and then we'll try connecting again. Okay. Um. So I had a miscarriage, and I was the first person that I knew of in my friend group to have one. Mm-hmm. And you know, it it ended up being later on when I was kind of more public about having a miscarriage that stories from my friends came tumbling into me from all these people that I never knew that they had had one. Um, But at the time I, I had one and I felt very alone in it. Um, I didn't really have anybody to talk to about it. We were just moving back to the U S from living overseas. Um, Mm -hmm. And my whole world basically kind of felt like it was falling apart. So this is the situation in which I got pregnant with my son. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not not the greatest place to really start mental health wise, but yeah. um, but you know life happens when you least expect it, et cetera, et cetera. And mm-hmm. so in October 2015, I found out that I was pregnant with my son, and um, I didn't really believe it at first. I had the you know many positive pregnancy tests <laughs> to prove it. <laughs> But I, we had, we had tried for a really long time at that point. Um, I'd had my miscarriage. I was certain that this pregnancy was going to end in miscarriage as well. And so I, I was supposed to make an appointment with my doctor. I postponed it. I was supposed to tell a couple of friends because my husband said, maybe it'll feel more real to you if you do. And I said, I don't want to tell anybody yet. Um, So he finally convinced me to make that appointment with my doctor and um, the first appointment did not go well. <laughs> so yeah. the, my doctor knew my history um, with my miscarriage. And so she said it, she was being extra cautious with everything. So, you know, most of the time when you go in for, you know, like a six or seven week appointment in the U.S., you wouldn't necessarily have an ultrasound. Mm-hmm. Um, she wanted to do one right away because she knew I'd had a miscarriage before and that I was going to be kind of on edge. And she did one in a machine in her office, which was kind of an older machine, but she's like, it's great for just the basic, you know, dating your pregnancy, confirming that it's there. Uh Well, that ultrasound, she said, showed something funky. (laughs) So Uh 
just what you oh. want to hear, right? Oh. <laughs> um, so I was, gosh, I, I'm trying to even remember. I was eight or nine weeks at that point. Um, so she sent me down the hall to the maternal fetal medicine office, which um, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the, called the same thing in Canada, but it's the high risk pregnancy office. Um, they mm -hmm. have more detailed ultrasound and sonogram equipment. They have, you know, they have all the things. So what apparently she had seen on this, on the ultrasound that looked a little funky was placenta previa, which is not really a problem unless it continues throughout your pregnancy. At most in, in most people it resolves. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, you know, that very first appointment where they said, oh, you're going to have to be closely monitored because of the location of the placenta previa and, you know, the fact that you have a history of miscarriage and the fact that, you know, your doctor is concerned about, I mean, they just listed off a whole bunch of things and said, you're going to have to be closely monitored. Oh, and you're probably going to have to have a C-section. So I was, at that point, I was like eight or nine weeks and they're like, you're going to have a C-section. Okay. You're like, great. Um, <laughs> this is a lot of information coming at me all at once. Yes. And, um, you know, at this point I hadn't told any of my friends because I was terrified. I, yeah. um, so this is, you know, basically the stage at which on the, as I mm -hmm. was like, I need somebody to talk to, but I can't talk to anybody in person. Yeah. Um, stuff. And then I was probably 13 weeks pregnant. I had, um, a really bad fall at my house we had a little dog mm -hmm. at the time and he wanted to be everywhere i was and i tripped over him and fell hard on my stomach um oh my god and so yeah <laughs> not exactly what you want when you're already anxious about a pregnancy so i called my doctor and i was kind of expecting to be told this happens all the time you're fine and mm -hmm. <laughs> instead what she said is come in right now for an ultrasound and the reason for that is the placenta previa because you know depending on where it's located a fall could actually cause detachment etc um mm -hmm. and so it was it was one of those situations where they thought everything was probably going to be fine but i needed to come in and be tested anyway and yeah. that was just a recurring theme throughout my pregnancy. So um, at 13 weeks, I hadn't yet told my boss or anything, but I had to because mm -hmm. um, I didn't remember to call him until I was in the emergency room waiting for my sonogram and he could hear the emergency room pages over the phone <laughs> and was like, "Is are you okay? Is everything all right? And I'm like, yeah, um, I'm going to be a little late and I have some news. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so... Um, that was really when I started to tell friends in real life because, mm -hmm. you know, I had this, um, I, I, you know, gotten past that magical first trimester number mm -hmm. um, and I'd gotten a second scan where everything looked great. Um, and so we started telling some in real life friends and some family, but I wasn't, you know, posting on Facebook or telling, you know, random acquaintances at the grocery store yet or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um but because of my fall and because of the placenta previa and because of really everything, my doctor said, okay, you really need to be monitored. So in the U.S., most people get like two or three ultrasounds during their pregnancy. Mm -hmm. um, they get, you know, that first one that kind of confirms how far along you are. You get the anatomy ultrasound and then you usually maybe get one closer towards your um, due date. Yeah, I got one every two Oh, God. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. I'm always going to these appointments and the doctors would be like, okay, here's this new thing. 
I don't think you should worry about it, but it's a thing we should monitor. You should come back in two weeks. <laughs> and so this is how, great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this is how my whole pregnancy went. Um, oh. And when I was 30 weeks, I had just been at an ultrasound. Everything was fine, but I was sitting at home and all of a sudden I was just gushing blood everywhere. <gasps> and my husband wasn't home. He had just gone to Home Depot. Um, oh so I basically, <laughs> I just called him. And I was like, get your ass home now and hung out. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous, the things that you remember. I was sitting there like, I need to clean up this mess. So if I don't make it home from the hospital, so nobody else has to deal it. <laughs> like, oh, my God. The, the things that Steph, you think I don't about, think right? I, I don't think I realized how dramatic your first pregnancy was. So it was one of those things that there were lots of little things over time. And then there were a couple of like really big things, obviously blood was kind of a big thing. Um, But there were just lots of little things that over time that basically meant I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. Um, And so we got to the hospital. The woman was like, Oh, you're in labor. I was like, I can't be in labor because I'm only 30 weeks and I'm not even feeling contractions or anything. And she was like, oh, honey, you are having contractions right and left. Um, So I got admitted to the hospital. They administered, you know, the, oh gosh, what is it? The steroid shots that they do to boost baby's lungs in case they get born early. Um, Then my contractions magically stopped and they didn't start again. And they have no idea why, which is kind of a terrifying thing. And yeah. <laughs> like, I had the best medical care in the world and they have no idea what happened or why. Um, and their best guess is that something triggered contractions and that the blood was actually like pooled blood clots from my fall earlier in my pregnancy that were oh. just like making their way out. Um, because they couldn't wow. find any active source of bleeding. Like, I mean, they... They don't really know. So I was in the hospital a couple of days until they were certain that I wasn't going back into labor. But after that, I needed to be measured every week. Oh, God. And because I was being measured during these measurements, they noticed that my son's stomach was not growing as fast as the rest of him. Um, So, you know, when you do an ultrasound, they take measurements of the head, the femur, and the stomach. Mm -hmm. And um, the the head and the femur were um, growing at a normal rate, and Mm -hmm. the stomach had basically stopped growing. And they, they said that uh, there's there's a whole bunch of medical terminology, and so I'm not a doctor. I'm an, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm probably going to get half of this wrong. But basically, at the time, they told me it was IUGR, which is intrauterine growth restriction, mm-hmm. and that there are a million causes for this, um, ranging from placenta problems to drug use in the mom to, I mean, just like any number. Anything that you could imagine could cause this. And Mm -hmm. in most cases, they don't know what it is until the baby is born. Um, I was like, well, you can rule out drug use. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) It's not that. Um, But so they kept an eye on it because it hadn't um, fully stopped at that point. But they were like, we really, you know, we need to see improved growth here for him to make it to term. Mm -hmm. And so I was getting 
ultrasounds every week. And when I was 37 weeks, I went in for my appointment and they said, okay, the growth has stopped. Um, we need to make an appointment. You're going to have a baby tomorrow. Wow. <laughs> and so I, I didn't really have time to panic because I had to go <laughs> make all the arrangements, get my, get my parents in town to watch the dogs for us, get my husband to get off work. Um, I actually had meetings at work that day that I went to after this appointment. Like I, <laughs> isn't it I so <laughs> like, it's so funny because like, I can relate so much to that as like, as a woman, you just, be, you're just like, okay, we got this news and then we're just going to keep going with our stuff. I remember when I was pregnant with my second, I got into a car accident. Like I got t -boned. Oh my gosh, that's right. I forgot. And I went to work and everyone was like, why are you at work right now? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I'm like, why wouldn't I be at work? Like, this is what I was supposed to do today. <laughs> like, you know, and you just sort of keep going. Like your brain is such a funny thing. It's just like, okay this is happening, but I'm going to go like to my regular like route and just to make sure that I do my <laughs> normal stuff for some reason. And it's reason. so funny because everybody around you was probably like, go home. This is the best possible reason to miss work. It, and exactly. you're like, well, no, I should be here. <laughs> yeah. Like I need the money. And they're like, you should be calling your doctor and like getting checked out. And I'm like, oh yeah, I probably should do that. Like, it didn't even occur to me. I was just like, yeah, I probably should. I probably should do that. <laughs> oh, man. It's, I mean, your brain yeah. is really just like, okay, I can't focus on this right now. So I'm just going to go do something else. Yeah. It, this is too much information for me to process. I'm just going to do what I normally do on a day-to-day -day basis. So you went to these, like, meetings and you sort of continued with your day. And yes, it, it was... <laughs> So and when did it like when did it like hit you that you were like oh my god like this this is happening tomorrow? Um, well, honestly, it did not hit me until I was in the hospital checking in. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I mean, I I I'm great with a task list. I'm great <laughs> with a bunch of to dos, and so I was checking off the tasks right and left. I had my final <laughs> meetings with my coworkers to wrap up my work. I you know got my parents in town and got their guest room all settled for them. Like I was doing all the things. Um, and then the next day. I was in the, you know, the room where they were about to administer my um, epidural. Yeah. Um, and they send, I don't know, did they do this for you guys? So they send the husbands out of the hospital room when they administer the epidural at my hospital. Did they do that for you? No, Ian was there both times with me. And like, he was like holding my hands both times and basically just like telling me to breathe. That's crazy that they send the husbands out. Yes. Like, so apparently they've had so many husbands get queasy and pass out that oh, yeah. they won't let them stay. <laughs> you so, know what? I, to this point, like, I mean, I've given birth twice. I've had two epidurals. I still won't, like, I've still never seen an epidural needle. I've heard how big it is. And I'm like, you know what? I'm good. I don't need to see it. It happens. Exactly. Don't show me that. It's fine. Don't need to see it. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't, I honestly, so this was the first time I had to be like sitting still in silence since, mm -hmm. you know, the news broke. And so, and I was completely by myself um, because the anesthesiologist assisted, oh, get the anesthesiologist. And so I was just sitting by myself and all of a sudden I was just like, oh man, I'm having a baby. And that, oh my gosh, I just had this complete moment of panic because 
the room I was in, they wheeled me into the OR and it looked just like the OR where I had my DNA after my miscarriage and my husband wasn't there yet. And I was just like, I just started sobbing and they were like, are you in pain? You know, can you feel, is the epidural not taking? And I was like, no, I can't feel anything. Yeah. I'm just. (laughs) But my emotions I'm feeling moment here um and so I just I just sobbed the the entire time and you know so actually you know after I had my baby I ended up uh, he he's fine by the way (laughs) yeah just uh you know tying that tying that loose end up he was born and and survived and is great Mm -hmm. um but uh, I, I sobbed through the entire thing and then immediately afterwards had the lovely epidural shakes. Oh. Um, and so I was this like shaking, sobbing mess for oh. his birth. <laughs> um, and then he, so he got to go into the room for the very beginning. They, you know, he passed all of his tests with flying colors, even though he was three weeks early. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, my milk didn't come in. We were trying to feed him. His blood sugar dropped. They were like, he has to go to the NICU. And that was just kind of like my mental health last straw because it seemed like everything was fine now. And then it wasn't because he had to go to the NICU. Um, and so he, um, he went to the NICU for, gosh, again, we're talking about like pregnancy, (laughs) pregnancy brain. I do not recall. I think it was maybe five or six days. And then he had to go to like a step down unit before he could leave. Um, but so certainly not as long as a lot of people's NICU's journeys were, but I mean, for my, for my mental health, that was, it was too long. Yeah. So, um, and the, the fun thing that they told me, you know, as I'm going into my hospital room um, while my baby is being wheeled away from the NICU is that they realized why he had IUGR. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was because the placenta had just completely calcified. It just failed. Wow. Um, and so if I hadn't been so closely monitored the entire pregnancy, I would have never known. And yeah. he would have just suffocated in the womb. And, wow. And so, or starved to death, I guess. And mm-hmm. I never would have known. And so all those little tiny moments in pregnancy where I had all these awful things happen <laughs> that, you know, they were like, oh, you need, to, you don't need to worry about it, but you need to keep being monitored. I mean, I was, I was the entire pregnancy. I was like, why me? Why a person who already has anxiety? Like, why are you doing this to a person? Yeah. <laughs> but it ended up ultimately being the same, the thing that saved my baby's life. And so, ugh, it's one of those things where I'm like, I really didn't need that, but I did, but mm-hmm. can we not do that again? Let's not do that again. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Oh, what a roller coaster! Like, and I could only imagine, like, I know. And it's like, it comes from such a place as from like mom guilt that like I don't know if you felt this but I definitely felt this with like Jackson when he tried to come out at 30 weeks like I felt like I had kind of failed as a mom you know in like this weird way like your brain kind of turns it that it's like well my body like can't you know deal with this baby or whatever and it's like it has nothing to do with you obviously but like you need to blame it almost on something so it makes sense and then the mom guilt comes in and then you end up blaming yourself for it and I don't know if Absolutely. you felt that. Yeah. 
I felt that so much, especially because, you know, I'd had a previous miscarriage. And so, um, I was like, there's, there's something wrong with my body. Yeah. And then they said, you know, when they told me that the placenta had failed, I was like, well, there's my body failing again. Like <laughs> just yeah. Stephanie gets an F in uh <laughs> Stephanie oh. gets an F in pregnancy. And so um I've I felt this enormous you know, my husband was very supportive, but he mm-hmm. didn't have his body on the line, right? Yeah. Like he yeah he wasn't the one who was carrying the baby. And so if the pregnancy <laughs> failed, it was my failure, not his and not ours. Um, it, it, that's not how it is, but that's how I felt. No, but that's, yeah, that's how your brain goes. Yeah. Oh, Steph, that's like, I just want to give you like a massive hug. Like when you were talking I know. about like, just, like <laughs> crying by yourself in the OR, I'm just like, oh my God, like, I, can't oh, and I feel so bad for the anesthesiologist assistant. I can still picture, I, I picture his face to this day. His name was Dwight. He was adorable. <laughs> like not in a, not in an actually like cute doctor way, but in yeah. a, a guy named Dwight kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> he, I was just sobbing and he was just kind of at a loss of what to do because most yeah. people, I guess, are not sobbing in this situation. And um, so he was just like, there, there, it'll be okay. <laughs> Dwight, you got to work on your bedside manner. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. I remember when I was in, so when I was in early labor with Jackson um, at 30 weeks, and I was in the hospital, and I remember just, like, on the third day, like, I just had that moment where I just, like, completely lost it, and I was just sobbing, because I was just, like, I don't know. I'm so scared. Like, I don't know what this is going to look like. I'm scared for my baby. I'm scared for me. I'm by myself in the hospital. And, like, I just remember a nurse came in, and she's, like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? And I'm, like, I am just, like, lose. Like, I just am losing it. Like, I just... And I like told her all the stuff and she's like, of course you are like, you were in such a stressful situation. Like, of course you're going to feel like this. Of course you're going to want to cry. She's like, let it out because like, this is the situation where you need to, to do that. Like, absolutely. You have every reason to be upset and scared and crying right now, like for sure. And it's just like those moments when people sort of come to you and they're like, you're legit in your feelings and, and, and how you're reacting to those feelings. Um, and I've They're had so like, important. It's so important. And it's so important to feel those feelings. And it's so important. Like that's straight up trauma that you went through with your, like with birth and with your pregnancy. And it's like, you have to feel those feelings. Otherwise it's, it's just going to burrow down and it's going to come up at some point. So it's like, you need to let that, that emotion out in that moment. Yeah. And you know, I've really felt, you know, so many of my friends had what seemed to be these picture perfect pregnancies. I mean, Mm -hmm. I would see, and a lot of it was because, you know, when they were going through their pregnancies, I was seeing a lot of it from Instagram or Facebook Mm -hmm. or whatever. And so I was seeing the highlight reel, right? Like I wasn't seeing the moments that they were having where they were, you know, sobbing on the OR floor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I had this overwhelming feeling throughout my whole pregnancy and then, you know, postpartum that I was doing it wrong. 
um, because I was getting this baby that I wanted, that I desperately wanted, and yet I was unhappy and upset and crying and anxious. Yeah. Well, of course you're anxious, and it's, like, to be in sort of, like, the viewpoint from now, obviously, like, six, six and a half years out, it's like, you're looking back and it's like, of course you would feel that anxious, you know, of course, afterwards you would feel anxious because you've had this, like, basically like store up of like anxiety and emotions throughout your entire pregnancy, waiting for that shoe to drop. And then when they're, when he's finally here and he's good, you still have that anxiety. It's not going to go away right away because you've been feeling this for nine months. Yes. And, and like, I really thought like, oh, poor innocent Stephanie really thought that as soon as he was here, all the anxiety would go away. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> now being, now being a parent, I'm like, oh, yeah. bless your heart stuff. Like, yeah, you, yeah. you, you really thought that the anxiety would stop once he was born. Okay. <laughs> oh, it just gets so much worse. Not so to scare much. any pregnant people who are listening right now, but yeah, it's just... It is that thing when you're pregnant that you're just like, birth is like the end goal. So it's kind of like you don't sort of think of what's going to happen after. You're kind of just like, okay, we're getting to the birth part. And then the birth part happens. And then you're like, oh, shit. Like, I have a baby now. (laughs) I, like, what do I do with this thing? Like, I don't know who this person is. I don't know what they need, what their wants, what's happening. And then you're dealing with your you know, all the hormones after your pregnancy, which are just a bitch. And, yeah. and if you're like the two of us, just... you have your stomach cut open and you're trying to heal. <laughs> so, yeah, well, no, I, 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 I did vaginal. I did you, you really? You had, okay. Yeah. You were, you were never borns. So I'm, I did vaginal with both of my kids. <laughs> so yeah, I, I okay. just, and <laughs> I remember thinking, okay. So I remember thinking this is also like, poor like little innocent Maggie when I was like in my teen years I was always like I'm gonna have a c-section because all I had seen like I was celebrity obsessed as a teenager so all I saw was like you know all these celebrities would go they would have their c-section they would have a tummy tuck at the same time so that they would like you know get back into shape a lot easier blah 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 so I'm like this seems like easy peasy like oh my god I'm definitely gonna have a c-section and then I actually (laughs) had friends who had a C-section and I'm like, what? I'm what? Like they, it is an invasive procedure. Like you are talking organs are coming out. They're on a table. Like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. We're, it's insane. And then like, I'm sure you can talk to me about the recovery process afterwards, but it is, that is a rough recovery afterwards as well. It is. And you know, I, Mine actually went fairly well, all things considered. I got one thing going. Like my scar healed very nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have any complications from that. Like I know we had a friend that had like a like an abscess in her scar or whatever that turned into yeah. a horrific thing. Like that, you know. I I was very lucky from that front in that my scar healed perfectly. I actually can't. I don't see it anymore. It's basically like perfectly stitched back together, etc. But it is, wow. you know, it's major abdominal surgery. And so afterwards, mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, you're not supposed to lift anything heavier than your baby. My baby was five pounds at birth. I was like, yeah. okay, so I, I can't lift anything heavier than him. And, um, you know, when he was in the hospital, he was in the NICU, um, mm-hmm. for a decent chunk of time. And, you know, they have the big, um, those plastic incubator things. For, I'm yes. And they're so high person. up. It's- and they're so high yeah. up. And so I'm sitting there trying to like maneuver him and my IV and <laughs> all this stuff. And then like bless NICU nurses. They are the oh, best. And they were like, the honey, best. just sit down and we will do this for you. But I like, I wanted, I wanted to be a hands-on mom, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to do all the things. And so, I mean, it was just, it was a rough recovery. And like, thankfully um, with my second uh, you know, with, with my first one, with my son, I was really in a, because I was so traumatized, I yeah. was trying to do everything I could to prove that I was going to be a good mom. And so I was trying really hard to do all the things I was trying to pump. I was trying to, you know, go to the NICU every hour to see him. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to, and at my hospital, the NICU is in a different wing of the hospital. So Jesus. Oh, Yes. So I had to go down the elevator on mine, cross to another building, um, go up the elevator there and then go through this like whole rigmarole to get into the NICU. And so like, I was trying to do that every hour. Um, and they were like, girl, yeah, <laughs> go to bed. Yeah. Go to bed. <laughs> um, and so with my, with my second, you know, we didn't have the NICU factor with her. So that was a little bit easier, but I also, I, I had taken stock of a lot of things that I, you know, I want I don't want to say did wrong the first time around because, mm-hmm. you know, I was doing my best, but yeah. things that I did not want to do again. And so, um, my husband took off the entire time that I was in the hospital and I told him like, I am not lifting the baby once. Like mm-hmm. I'm, abs- I'm going to hold her, but you're going to bring her to me. You're going to put her back in the thing. <laughs> like you're going to yeah. change all the diapers. Uh, like I'm not getting out of this bed until until my legs are fully functional first of all (laughs) yeah Um, but so it was you know the c-section recovery was oh man it was it was it was hard but I remember having the same thought as you right like I remember thinking because everybody had so many horror stories about tears and all that kind of stuff that I was like a c-section sounds cleaner and neater right like yeah like it's not gonna mess up your (laughs) vagina exactly Yeah, it just just all your organs are just going to be like coming out and then we're going to oh take gosh. the baby out. Like it's Yeah, it's so it's so insane to me. And another thing that I didn't realize as somebody who gave birth vaginally is like you guys are still dealing with like the post blood situation. Oh yes. Oh my god, which, which is which was a very unpleasant surprise. <laughs> Let me tell right? you. <laughs> I was like, and then I didn't think about, like, I obviously, like, did not use my critical thinking brain with this. But, like, obviously, there is blood from everything that comes out. So, it's like, of course, the blood needs to go somewhere. So, it's going to come out as well. But I'm just like, I, no clue. No clue. I I don't know. I don't know. Like, did I think that they were going to, like, vacuum suction it all out of my stomach? I don't don't know. Right? Like, not my stomach, obviously. But, yeah. I like I don't know what I thought was going to happen, but I thought that I was going to get to avoid that, you know, uh, post birth 
trauma to my lady bits oh. and that that did not happen i did not escape un, unscathed no um but you know I, so that was one of the that i was really kind of frustrated about in pregnancy place forums and stuff like that other than you know where we were because a lot of people would be like oh well like c-sections are the easy way out or whatever and i'm like mm not they are not <laughs> major medical are... surgery is not an easy way out there is no it's... easy way for a baby to come out of you let me just let me just put it as possible there's zero easy ways out <laughs> no and that's what killed me when there was that post like where we got neverborns from where they were like well you haven't given birth if you've had a c-section are you kidding me yes, <laughs> yes you gave birth it was probably more traumatic than my vaginal birth was. Like, I can't imagine. And, like, for husbands, too, like, I've heard so many stories of, like, husbands of C-section um, babies that are just, like, they looked over the curtain and they were, like, oh, gosh, yeah. looking over the curtain because I saw <laughs> way too much. And it's just, like, my wife's here talking to me, but everything's on the table. Like, Yeah. It's crazy. My husband is like, one of those anybody- people that, like, Thing, right so he's like can I look at yeah. the curtain and they were like no it's not a good idea and he's like please yeah. <laughs> yeah and they you know they had all the horror stories and uh finally my OB who I love to death she is just like the she doesn't take any shit yeah and she was like your wife's intestines sure go ahead god okay i just had a random thought um what did you guys do you guys have to also deal with um the really bad postpartum poop or is that just with vaginal so ding 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 future maggie coming in um steph was super robotic in this portion but basically she said that yes she was worried about the postpartum poop because she didn't want to strain because of her stitches um so there you go ding 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 future maggie out buddy who's pregnant right now bring some sort of stool softener with you to the hospital and the moment you give birth start taking it because i did not know this but when you give birth especially like i think with vaginally especially because of the tearing issue you're you can become and with like the pain medication you can become like super constipated so your first poo is just like oh it's, it's trauma. scary and i remember <laughs> it's trauma it's it's trauma so just take the stool softener if you forget to bring it ask for the stool softener they will give it to you at the hospital like i remember it was like the one thing that my mom friend who is like an in real life friend was like bring stool softener take stool softener and like (laughs) I had been tell she had a bad experience exactly (laughs) like no one told her about the the first postpartum poo is just like it's scary so yeah take the take the stool softener and also take anything (laughs) and take anything from the hospital room that you can take like I took diapers I took swaddling things I took like the little mini bottles that they had like I took everything from my hospital room the like diaper um underwear things oh gosh those things yes those things you know everybody's like oh they're amazing are i mean they're they're not amazing you know they're mesh diapers so 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they are amazing in the sense that like your whole lower half will just be destroyed after birth and mm-hmm. you don't want that destruction anywhere near your nice underwear that you want to keep later. Exactly. And for like C-section scars as well, you want something that's like a high waist, right? With your scar because you don't want, you want it covered. So they're Oh my gosh. They're very I sexy. Want- to the hospital that I wasn't really thinking about. They had like one of those fold over bands. Um and when oh, yeah. it folded over, folded right on the scar. And I did not oh. realize how much that just like minor pressure would just be yeah very painful. <laughs> yes. Bring a dress. Maybe bring a dress if you're gonna be, you know, yes. getting the C set if it's not like the dead of winter and you're living in like Nebraska. Bring a dress. <laughs> That's what I did after my pregnancy. I was like, you know what? We're going to bring we're going to bring a dress cuz I'm not going to want anything tight around any any of my things. <laughs> so after after Jonas was born, um, you know, we left the hospital. Gosh, we were in the combination of the NICU and step-down unit for I think a little over a week. Um, which at the time seemed incredibly long because, you know, everybody else I know in the States left the hospital after like two to three days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've had a lot of friends since who have had, you know, NICU baby stays. We had a lot of NICU babies in the, in the cat moms group as well that were, were there for much longer. So in retrospect, you know, it doesn't seem quite as long, but, um, I remember thinking when I was leaving the hospital, I was going to have like magically snapped back into my um, pre-pregnancy form yes. because it seemed like that happened to a lot of my friends. Uh, spoiler alert, it did not happen to me. No, no. I... <laughs> me neither. <laughs> I, I wore the same maternity maxi dress that I had worn like pretty much all summer long um, for the next, what, like four months afterwards. <laughs> Yep. I told anytime that like my friends have kids, I'm just like, you know what you need to get is just literally like a you'll be still living in your maternity clothes, but you will also want something that's like somewhat new and you haven't been wearing for the last nine months. So just get like a shapeless black dress that you can easily wash, maybe get two of them because literally every day you're just gonna have stuff all over you. You're gonna be like, I don't even know where the stain came from. And yeah, you're going to want to be better if you don't know. (laughs) Yeah, probably better. (laughs) Yeah. And especially with, oh my gosh. So when I, it remind me, did you breastfeed your kiddos? So when I had Riley, I had, um, I really wanted to breastfeed. Like that was something I think that society had sort of pumped into me and something that I really wanted um, to experience. So when she was born four weeks early, she was actually too small to like latch on. So I had to start pumping right away in the hospital. I was in like a mom friendly hospital. I use an air quotes. Um, They were really great. Like they literally came the day after I gave birth to Riley. They like came in with like a cart of like stuff that you can buy. So I bought like a breast pump. I bought like a nursing bra because I didn't have any of that stuff. I was like, I still have a month to get all this stuff. (laughs) Oh gosh. So like literally the cutest old ladies came in and I was like getting bra fitted by like Betty and Doris. And they were just like, (laughs) they're like, this will be great for you. I'm like, you guys 
our saviors because otherwise like I would have, I don't know what I would have done. Um, so they had all the stuff that I needed. And then like half an hour later, I had a woman come in and she was like, do you want like a newborn photos of your child? And I was like, yes. And she's like, yeah, we'll just take your baby. We have like a studio that's set up down the hall. Like daddy can come with us and we'll do newborn pictures. And I was like, so you're telling me you'll take my baby for like a half an hour to an hour with the dad (laughs) and I can sleep and I'm going to get like newborn pictures out of it she's like yeah I'm like I will pay any amount of money like do it take my money so take my baby do that right now (laughs) (laughs) so that was amazing Um, but they did really push breastfeeding in the hospital so I mean I was pumping and then I also did um, donor breast milk from them um for a while and we were actually going back like we were literally driving back and forth I would say for like the first month maybe three weeks um and we did not live close to the hospital like it was maybe like almost an hour drive across Vancouver oh my goodness yeah to pick up this donor milk and then I'm like pumping around the clock and I'm not producing enough so then my um doctor was like okay well I'll I'll prescribe you something to help with your production and so when Ian went to go downstairs to like fill it the pharmacist was like this interacts with her other medications if she takes it she's gonna die (laughs) so we're like okay enough with this like this is insane and that was the time that I just sort of woke up and I'm like okay we just need to do formula like this is getting ridiculous I've tried my best and I really felt um that I had to explain myself to so many people about why I wasn't breastfeeding with Riley. Yeah. So many people. It's even the most innocuous question where somebody's like, are you breastfeeding or formula feeding? Even if the question yes. is innocuous, so many other people have asked it in a judgmental way that you're instantly defensive yes. about the answer. hundred <laughs> percent. And I would literally have to tell that full story to them every time because I felt so, I felt so wracked with guilt that I couldn't breastfeed and I felt the need to like explain that oh I had really tried to breastfeed and like I tried all this stuff and like you know and so many strangers were talking to me about my boobs after giving birth <laughs> yes. and I'm like this is inappropriate like I just I'm like I don't want to talk about my boobs with a total stranger and then go into this whole spiel about like wh- how I really tried hard um so and then when I had Jackson like literally he came out in the hospital and the nurses were like, are you planning to breastfeed? Or are you planning to formula feed? I was like, formula feed. And they're like, great, we'll give him a bottle in the NICU. That was it. End of story. Anytime anybody asked me, which they didn't really, I found with my second, but um, yeah, I was just like, yeah, we formula feed. And I had lost any sort of like mom guilt by the time that I had Jackson, because I was like, you know what? A fed baby is all that matters and like by the time they're three they're all going to be eating like mcdonald's french fries off the car oh my gosh so (laughs) who cares feeding it to the dog and then feeding it to themselves i'm like oh my goodness yeah yeah it sounds like we have pretty similar stories you know my so my first was a, a little over three weeks early and so same thing he couldn't latch um i actually i recently had my first mammogram because i hit 40 and in the u.s that's when you um, get your tatas inspected for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're doing that, they're like, 
holding your breasts in all these very uncomfortable positions to try to squeeze them for the machine for the photos. And I had this instant flashback to with Jonas where the lactation consultants in the hospital were like trying to squeeze my boob into the like perfect position for him to attempt to latch. And I was just like, I mean, it was, thank goodness I had no more shame at that point. You know, I was Mm -hmm. thinking like the reason I was thinking about this was the maxi dress comment. Like I just had to, I had to be in clothing that you could just basically essentially be naked in at any given moment. Like, I'm going to be clothed now and then I'm going to be topless now because yeah. you're pumping, you're trying to best feed, you're trying to latch, you're trying to do all these things. Mm-hmm. And so um, when I was in the hospital, the lactation consultants were trying everything to get him to latch. Let's try this nipple guard. Let's try squeezing your breast in a flatter position. Let's try putting it in a more pointed position. And oh. it was just these these random people with their hands all over my boobs. And I was just kind of like, okay, this is what's supposed to be best for baby. Um but they already, you know, they had to supplement him in the NICU because one of the reasons he was there was because his blood sugar was low. And so they were like, if his, you know, they asked if I wanted donor milk and I said, I just want him fed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, um, they supplemented with formula, but I was trying, you know, I had been to so many breastfeeding classes beforehand where they kept saying breast is best. Mm-hmm. The hospital I was in was a mom and baby friendly hospital, which again, same kind of thing that the baby never leaves your room. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I think the longest that he, you know, he was in the NICU and so that made it a little bit more, you know, it made it, I had this weird thing where I was kind of like, oh, I can sleep and stay in my room, but I'm supposed to be with him in the NICU. And so I would be going back and forth and back and forth. And so even though he wasn't in my room for that first period, um, it was really, I mean, I was always with him or Mm -hmm. I was pumping or I was washing pumping parts. And so, you know, it was just this whole mess of, you know, nonstop, thinking about my boobs <laughs> and yes. if it was, if, if I was going to be producing enough, if he was getting the good stuff, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, then we were in the step down unit. And so I was discharged from the hospital, but he was still there. And so I was basically like rooming in with him and they brought in the hospital grade pump and the people there were, you know, trying to encourage it as much as possible. But I would study, I would be there pumping for, you know, 30 minutes and get like half an ounce. Mm-hmm. Um, which was nothing. And mm-hmm. as soon as I was done with that, I would need to feed him and then he would need to be changed and put down for a nap. And then I need to pump again and then yep. he'd be awake and he'd be hungry again. And so it was just this whole, you know, I tried that cycle for six weeks, I think. Mm-hmm. And I just could not, um, my mom stayed with me, um, bless my mother, when, when my son was born, so he was, um, you know, he was three weeks early. We'd called my parents and said, you know, get here as soon as possible to take care of the dogs, et cetera. We have two dogs. Um, and she was supposed to be there just for a week after he was born to kind of help me out once we transitioned home. She stayed for eight weeks and oh, bless her, bless her. <laughs> because she took over um, she didn't want to do as much stuff hands-on with the baby um, mm-hmm. because she was in the early stages of dementia. And so, you know, she was very nervous about that, but she was like, I can clean anything in sight. <laughs> and so she Amazing. took over washing all the pump parts for me, which oh. can you, I mean, before I had a baby, I never would have thought how much time you could spend washing pieces of a pump. And oh my God. Seriously. <laughs> like there's a million pieces and you're just like, okay, I need to get every single thing like so clean. Cause they're just like, you don't want any bacteria. 
and yes. you're just like so paranoid about it and you're just yeah it's like an en- it's an endless cycle like you said I was doing the same thing it was just like we're drinking water to make sure that we're able to you know make enough milk and I remember somebody somewhere said like smart water helps you breastfeed so I was like Ian get all the smart water so I spent <laughs> so much money on smart water for no reason um and yeah and it was just like a constant cycle of like pumping feeding the baby then like cleaning the pumping parts while the baby was sleeping and like people were like sleep when the baby's sleeping and I'm like I'm cleaning pump pumping parts and then pumping like I don't know how where you're supposed to sleep there is no way there is so much to be done while the baby is sleeping and even if you could you know I've never been the the one that's like quick to fall asleep and you know snap out of it Mm -hmm. um so you know if my baby's sleeping in an hour stretch you know I would fall asleep 30 minutes into it and then he would wake up and I'd be groggy and disoriented and be like oh I missed a pumping session now we're gonna have to supplement Mm -hmm. it was this whole you know it was that was a really trying time on my mental health. And what ultimately got me to stop attempting to pump was um, when I got diagnosed with postpartum depression and anxiety. And my doctor was like, there have to be things that you can cut from your routine Mm -hmm. that will improve your mental health. Because he was like, you are not getting any amount of sleep. No, You are not getting any time for yourself. You are not, um, he basically like listed all these things that were contributing to my poor mental state. And he was like, so name one thing off the top of your head that would immediately relieve that workload. And I said, breastfeeding. He's like, great. Why don't we try not doing that? That's a, and, great, that's a great doctor, A, right there. Yes. And he was so, I mean, he said it so matter of fact, like, of course you can stop breastfeeding. Yeah. And um, it really helped because, you know, my OB, I love her to death, but she is very much like, if you say that you went to breastfeed, then she's like, I'm going to encourage you to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, w- w- with my second, when I told her that I didn't want to breastfeed, she was like, great, don't do it. Um, but because I had said with my first that I wanted to, she was constantly kind of checking in on me and like, how's it going? How's it going? And so I kind of felt that pressure from her, which she didn't intend in any way. Um, she was trying to be supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, but so to have another medical professional tell me, of course you can stop. Of course, formula is just fine. Of course you can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that not just you can do this, but you should do this because a healthy mom is better for a healthy baby. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I really can't stop. Um, and so that was, I mean, just having that routine out of my day saved so much time, so much mental health, so yeah. much mental energy. Um, it was, it was a night and day difference once I stopped attempting to pump. And then, yeah, with my second, um, I was at the same still like mom and baby friendly hospital. Um, and so I was prepared for a fight, right? Like I was going into it, like I've got my defenses. I'm going to tell them this, I'm going to tell them that. And then they were like, are you going to breastfeed or formula feed? And I said formula. And they're like, great. And that was the end of the discussion. I was like, I felt a little bit left out actually, like a little let down because I was like, I had all these great. Yeah. Be strong, and uh, and then I didn't need any of it. So it's so interesting. I don't know if it was like the passage of time, or if it really was, you know, the fact that I had said I'd wanted to breastfeed the first time that got them so. Because I mean, then they were sending lactation consultants in round the clock. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, you know, they were doing all this stuff to to kind of facilitate the breastfeeding. And this time, I was like, nope, don't want it. Great. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. 
Yeah, I remember just, um, we also with Riley, like she wasn't gaining enough weight. So we had to go see a pediatrician pretty quickly. And the pediatrician was just like, you need to switch to formula. It needs to be like a different ratio of formula because she's like, she basically was failing to thrive. Um, Yeah, which like, when I heard that, I was just like, oh, that is a... They need to come up with with a better name for that diagnosis because that is, that is heartbreaking to hear. Right? Like I was just like, wow, I'm really failing my child if she is like failing to thrive. Like, yeah, we need a better name. So we feel a little less, a little less horrible about ourselves. Um, So yeah, like, and the same thing, like coming from another doctor being like, no, you need to do formula and it needs to be like this special ratio of formula because she needs more. Um, it was like this massive weight just came off of my shoulders. And I was like, I don't have to do this anymore. I don't need to pump. I don't need to do this. And it's fine. And the bait and she, then she thrived because she was eating, you know, getting the amount of food that she was supposed to. Um, But that mom guilt, like, it just, it sticks with you. And like, oh gosh, yeah. It's like, I am, anytime that a friend of mine is able to breastfeed, I'm like, that is so amazing. And like, I'm so happy for you. And that's such, like, I'm like pro both. I'm pro breastfeeding, I'm pro formula feeding. You know, baby being fed is the best thing. Um, And I try to tell like my friends who are pregnant that if you can't breastfeed, don't, don't beat yourself up about it and come talk to me because like I've been through it. I totally get it. It's such a mind fuck because you've been told by so many people like breast is best. It's natural. It's natural. It's 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 the cheaper thing to do. (laughs) It is not easy. And like, yes, some people it is really easy to breastfeed, but I do know a ton of my friends who have breastfed and the cat moms who've breastfed that have had a hard time to start. Um, And I think it's like one of those things that you sort of expect as a mom, like a, you expect to have this moment with your, once your baby's born that you're going to feel like, oh my God, this overwhelming sense of love. And like, I've never felt this kind of love before. And I'm so bonded to my baby. And then also like breastfeeding is going to be like this natural, beautiful thing where I'm bonding with my baby. And then if you don't have those things, you feel like a shit mom. Yes. And you shouldn't. It is so... It is so normal for your baby to come out and for you to not feel that bond right away or feel that like overwhelming sense of love right away. If it happens, amazing. If it doesn't happen, do not beat yourself up about it. It will come. It will come. This is somebody who you don't know yet, who has been like living inside of you and you've like created and it's a weird thing. Plus, you have all these crazy hormones. So if you don't bond with your baby right away, do not beat yourself up with it. If you don't bond with your baby, you know, three months down the line, six months down the line, don't beat yourself up about it. Maybe talk to your doctor. Maybe it is something. um, Maybe it is like a postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression. But don't beat yourself up with it. And same with breastfeeding. I think that society has taught us and social media has taught us like, breastfeeding so like this beautiful natural thing where where you'll feel bonded with your child and um it's so easy it's so natural and if it doesn't come naturally to you do not beat yourself up with it 
try a lactation consultant if you want to. If that's something that you really want to do, absolutely try that route because sometimes it does take that, you know, position or whatever. Um, But if you have to do formula, you have to do formula. And like our kids are fine. And I was adopted. Yeah, mostly. (laughs) Um, And I mean, I I was a formula fed kid because I was adopted. So, and I mean, I'm okay. A lot of mental illness, but (laughs) I'm okay. Um, Well, I mean, I was a breastfed kid and a lot of mental health issues here too. So here you go. You are. (laughs) It's a shot in the dark. Um, Exactly. So don't beat yourself up and like give yourself that grace because I think society has told us like everything should come so easy and motherhood should come so easy and it's such a beautiful thing. And if it doesn't come easy to you, give yourself some grace. It is, it is so hard. And especially at the beginning, you are so sleep deprived and you are so stressed and just trying to figure out like a schedule with this baby and trying to bond with baby and trying to feed them and, you know, trying to figure out what their cries mean. And I think, oh, like, I just look back at, you know, first time mom Maggie and I just want to like give her a hug and be like, yes, it's going to be fine. Like, you're going to be okay. You're trying to do all that stuff with a baby that can't yet really respond to any of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So in those first, especially, I mean, it's, you know, usually people say about six weeks, um, you know, like around six weeks, six to eight weeks is when the baby first starts to kind of smile and respond. Mm-hmm. And, but before that, all they are doing is taking. And it is, it's easy to say, you know, I wanted this baby. I love this baby. Mm-hmm. I'm okay to give everything that I have and more for this baby for now. Um, but there's, there's something about that relationship where you're exhausted. You're recovering from either a major childbirth experience or a major abdominal, abdom- abdominal. <laughs> the <laughs> abdominal still man has come in. <laughs> <laughs> you're recovering from major surgery. Um, your hormones are going crazy. You're not sleeping. And then there's this brand new person in your life that does nothing but demand things from you around the clock. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, that's a huge recipe for (laughs) for disaster right and so that was that was one of the things that was really hard for me is exactly I felt you know I had wanted this baby for so long I had had my miscarriage I'd had a fairly traumatic pregnancy and so he was here and he was healthy and he was thriving and and yet I felt not exactly empty but I felt like I had nothing left to give I felt drained um and nobody had ever talked to me about how that felt for them. Mm-hmm. And everybody else did feel that way, it turns out, but they mm-hmm. never said it. Um, and so when I first started, you know, I was opening up to my husband and telling him how I felt. And I was telling him I felt like a terrible mom because I, I loved and wanted my baby, but I also felt like I had nothing left to give him. Um, and I was really struggling and he was like, well, why don't you talk to, you know, this friend and that friend, you know, I think they'd really be willing to listen. And I said, they might be willing to listen, but they didn't experience this. Mm -hmm. And he said that, you know, of, they didn't experience it that, you know, of, and I said, what do you mean? Like every time I talked to them about how things were going, they, you know, talked about how everything was great. And he was like, stuff, I, 
I just heard you talk to, talking to one of your friends about how every, everything was going and you were saying it was great. <laughs> yeah. And so he, he was like, you are doing, you know, you're projecting the happy new mom to the outside world through your Instagram and your socials and your phone calls and your texts, but you are not feeling that way on the inside. And he's like, how do you not, how do you think that any of your other friends might've done the same thing? And so, yeah, I started reaching out to friends and immediately the responses that poured back in were just like, yes, me too. Yes, this was so draining for me. Yes, I didn't instantly bond with my kid. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things, you know, you don't want to scare, like you don't want to scare the pregnant mom with horror stories. Totally. But at the same time, like we need some reality checks, right? Like we need a, a good yeah. balance of preparing moms for what can happen in pregnancy and postpartum. Mm -hmm. um, not scaring them, but letting them know it's not necessarily always going to be happy, glowy. Um, if it is, that is fantastic. And I'm so happy and not at all jealous for you. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the more I talk to people about their pregnancy and postpartum experiences, the more I realize that most people don't have that happy, natural, everything just worked out perfectly for them experience. They just don't talk about it. Yeah. And I think that's so important. Like I've had so many people that I've talked to and I, I totally, I, I think the cat moms really helped me with this. Um, and we're going to go into men like more mental health stuff in the next episode, because we're going to do a part two of this. Um, but talking about it with the cat moms and sort of having that anonymity of the internet that you could sort of, you know, it's not somebody in your real life. So if you say something, then it's not like they're, gonna freak out or whatever and like judge you in a certain way um and it felt like a very judge-free zone in cat moms um to be able to sort of really talk what motherhood was like yes. um and now I'm very blunt with people when I talk about parenting and childhood and like children and um you know giving birth and all that stuff and I've had so many women say to me like no one talks like this in real life about yeah like you know motherhood and more people should and that was part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast is like I had no idea what I was getting into when I got pregnant um and I had no idea of like the a million things that happen when you're pregnant postpartum and like you said like I don't want to scare people who are pregnant at all it is such a beautiful thing and it does get so much better but I want people to get into motherhood more informed and so that they know hey if I do give birth and I don't feel that instant connection like not that I'm scaring you with like you might not bond with your baby um <laughs> it's totally normal but it's totally it's, normal yeah if you don't that a lot of people have mm -hmm. and yeah like not a lot of people talk about that and I I really am all about being real with people. And I think the cat moms has brought it out even more so with me. Um, so yeah, I think it's just time that we get real about like postpartum and um, about pregnancy and about motherhood and not feel ashamed about certain things because I still, I still think that there's a bit of a stigma and I think it's gotten better since we had our first kids um, but there was like a certain stigma about, you know, um, like formula feeding. There was a certain stigma about like 
you know, having a C-section, there was a certain stigma about, you know, talking about maybe like, these kids are driving me crazy. And then people are like, yes. well, you're a bad mom because you enjoy like, every like, minute. Enjoy yeah. every minute. Can enjoy I every- just say that the next person that says that to me is going to get smacked in the face? Because I can guarantee you they did not enjoy the minutes where their kids were throwing the food on the floor. They did not enjoy the moments where their kid was rolling their eyes at them and saying, oh, mom, you're the worst. I wish I had a different mom. Like, yep. there's there's nobody on this planet who has enjoyed every moment of parenthood. And I understand it goes by fast. It's going by faster than I would like it to. Mm-hmm. But like, come on, can we just support other moms and recognize that parenting is beautiful, but also hard AF? Yes. And it's a very thankless job. You don't get your child thanking you for all the stuff that you do and you feel like you're giving and giving and giving and giving. And then what you get in return is like, I wish I had another mom. I'm finding yes. a family and you're like, <laughs> cool. Okay. That's, that's great. Um, and yeah, it's like you don't sort of know and you, you don't know how you're doing. Like, I think, that's one of the biggest things for me is like you don't sort of know if you're doing a good job and like I feel like no one talks about this as well but I feel like none of us really sort of know what we're doing I think all of us are just trying our best and like making up as we go along exactly we're making it up as we go along everyone's child is different every child reacts in a different way so it's like you can give advice about certain things that might not work with another child that might work with one child. It might not work with another. Um, And it's not like, you know, your job where you get like a quarterly check-in and they're like, you are doing a (laughs) good job. You could improve. Can I have a performance evaluation? Yeah. Like there's no parental evaluation except what you get from your like kids when they start talking and the evaluations are not great. They are Um, not, you know, they are not doing the compliment sandwich where they're like, you do this great, but you should also work on on improving this. They're just like, mom, you're the worst. Yeah. You're like, cool, cool. Okay. That's fine. I'm just going to go cry in the shower now. That's, that's great. Um, So yeah. And I mean, there are those moments, you will get those moments where, you know, Riley will just come up to me and she'll just be like, you're the best mummy in the world. And like, I just love you so much. And I'm just like, okay, savor this moment because in half an hour, she's going to be telling you that you're the worst mom. So savor the moments where they are telling you. Somebody get that on video. So I can play that back when I am crying in the bathtub with my glass of wine. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, Yeah. So it's, parenting is honestly it's such a trip and it's yeah it's um I don't even know how to like explain it into words about where I was going with this (laughs) (laughs) it's the best of times it's the worst of times exactly all all at once exactly it's so it is honestly so rewarding you know when they come up to you and like Jack will come up to me and he'll be like love you to the moon and back and I'm just like oh so cute wish you were like this all the time um and it is super rewarding and it's super tough and you're constantly you know questioning yourself like am I doing a good job are my kids happy could I be doing it a different way and I think all of us feel that way and like so many moms will come to me and they'll be like I don't know what I'm doing. Like, 
And I'm like, I don't either. I have no clue. I'm just sort of nobody does. Nobody does. We're all just sort of figuring it out, doing what we think is best and just hoping for the best. Exactly. We are all and a lot of us are, you know, portraying one thing to the outside world while we're doing something else in our inside world, right? Yeah. Like we oh, I I remember just seeing on social media like all these moms who are their their kids were always wearing those perfect matchy matchy outfits. They had <laughs> cute little mum and me outfits. Yeah. Um, you know, they were perfectly dressed when they were going out of the house and you know, me in my black maxi dress that was covered mm-hmm. up in, like co- covered in spit up and you know, half falling off my boobs. Um, I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm the hot mess mom. That's me. Um, (laughs) and that was one of the great things about cat moms is because we were all kind of seeing that stuff and like, you guys aren't doing this, right? Like (laughs) you aren't, you you guys aren't going out into public perfectly quaffed and we would send pictures to each other. I remember those early days where we would like, especially in Snapchat, um, or some of the, you know, the chat groups, we would just take a picture of where we were and what we looked like. And it was like, oh, thank God, other hot yeah. moms out there. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I also came from the world of luxury retail. Um, oh, yeah. Before I had my kids. So it was like, and before that, I was acting. So like, literally, my entire sort of like adult life, I've been you know, all about image and looking good. And, you know, I still feel much better when like, I've done myself up when I do my hair, when I do my makeup, I feel better about myself. Um, Absolutely. And that was another thing, like with having a baby is like, I kind of expected to sort of, you know, keep doing that. And then um, I realized I wasn't going to fit into any of my old clothes anymore. Like I really, Uh, yeah. I really thought like, you know, give me a couple of months. I'm going to go on walks every day with my baby. We're going to do like a cute picnic and we're going to like, you know, do this and that. And I'm going to be down. Like I'm going to lose this weight. Yeah. It did not happen. I still, I, like I have so much stuff from my previous jobs that I'm just like, you know what, Maggie, just sell it. Like it's yes. not going to fit. <laughs> Get it out of your closet. Get it. There out are of your so mind. many things. I put them like in those little, you know, under bed tubs. I was like, I'm going to pull these out one day and I'm going to fit into them. It's going to be glorious. Um, At some point when I was pregnant with my second, I pulled the tubs out and I was like, first of all, none of these are still fashionable. Um, (laughs) Second of all, I'm probably never going to fit in these again. Like what, what was I even thinking? So those all went straight to Goodwill. Yeah. Uh, But I remember thinking too, you know, there's always, I don't know if you guys have the stereotype about this in Canada, but the mom chop where like after you have your baby you cut your hair off yeah um so I always thought that was the worst like why does everybody get the mom haircut um I understand why because I had super long hair during pregnancy Um, I never really got the like good pregnancy hair um but it did grow really long because I just didn't have time between all my doctor's appointments to go get it good and so I remember like the I want to say it was like the second or third week I was at home I was trying to wash my hair clumps of it were coming out I was trying to dry it it I mean the baby was screaming in the other room and I was just like I can't I'm gonna chop it all off right now um and I was like that was my epiphany right like ah this is why the moms do the (laughs) do the mom chop (laughs) it's all making sense (laughs) yes I was like okay this is why we do this and so Yeah. I mean, I felt about a million times better when I could actually get ready in a short amount of time um, and look presentable and get out of the house. But it was just, uh, 
when you're drowning in those early weeks, sometimes it is all you can do to even put a brush through your hair. Um, so (laughs) totally. You're just like, this is how I am. Like there's no makeup going on. I'm lucky to get a shower. Um, and like I, with my second, I was definitely a lot better with it. Like I was just like, okay, we're going to throw him in, you know, his like, crib and then I'm just gonna go and I'm gonna have a shower and I'm gonna do that like little self-care for myself every day um because with Riley like it was literally I was just like hot mess express like I just (laughs) there was no brushing of the hair there was no showering like and so with Jack I was just like you know what I need to take that little time of self-care that little time during the day just for me to feel somewhat presentable um and I think that kind of helped quite a bit with the second because I was like okay we're gonna take the 20 minutes in the morning we're gonna take a shower we're gonna throw on a little bit of makeup and I think I did feel a little bit better about myself um I mean I was still in my like disgusting clothes that I wore every single day but at (laughs) least I felt like there was a little bit of self-care going into my second child yes I was much better at creating a routine with my second. Um, Yes. With my first, I was just kind of, you know, so my, my goal, you know, early after my first was born was to, to get back into real pants. Right. Which was such a dumb goal, but it was, you know, it was, it was top of mind. Right. And so I was like, Oh, I'm going to go on a walk. I'm going to do ellipticals, but I didn't have any like structure to any of it. Um, and I would have days, you know, my husband traveled a lot for work. Um, and so I would have days where I just never left the house Mm -hmm. and that like, I very quickly realized that is not working for me. Um, and so I got into a little bit more of a routine towards the end of my maternity leave, but you know, in the U S maternity leave is so short. I was only out for 12 weeks. Um, and so by like, by the time I got back into work, um, that helped a lot, but you know, because I had to, (laughs) I had to, you know, brush my hair to go into the office every day. (laughs) Um, But with my second, I was very much like, okay, I'm going to be intentional about this. We are going to do two walks a day. They are going to be from this time to this time. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. um, it, it was kind of weird because it was very, I I was being very strict and very scheduled, but at the same time, it just, it made such a difference for my mental state, just getting out of the house on a regularly scheduled basis um, and my, my second was born in January, so not exactly the easiest to get out of the house, but yeah. we, um, we have, um, you know, like the, the one terrible and wonderful thing about suburbia in Texas is that we have a whole bunch of malls that are slowly going out of business. Um, and so if you want to go for a walk in January with your new baby, you can bring your stroller and just stroll around a completely empty mall. <laughs> yeah, I did so, that so much with Riley and Ian and I used to do that too because we had a mall that was super close to us that we would just like go walking in the mall and the one thing that we noticed and that drove us insane and I don't know if you found this either um, but I sort of realized my own ableism with having a stroller yes Um, oh my gosh (laughs) I would get so mad when people who could walk went in the elevator because I I was like you can use an escalator ma'am 
I cannot with a stroller. And uh, that- there were so many places that were not stroller accessible. And it really opened my eyes to, oh, the, there are a lot of places here that people in wheelchairs or people with um, other walking disabilities are na- not able to get into. And I was like, mm-hmm. wait a second. <laughs> yeah. This has been going on for forever. It was, yeah, it was a little bit of a belated epiphany. But yes, I definitely experienced that too. For sure. And I just... Yeah, like, and even now, like, when I see moms who are, like, about to, like, open a door, I'm just, like, I get flashbacks, and I'm, like, I'm going to open this door for this mom, because I could just remember so many times that I would, like, oh my gosh. try to open the door, and then you're, like, trying to get, like, the stroller through, and, like, no one's And then the door you. slams on the stroller, and yep. you're, like, you're, you're so like, sweaty, and you're just, like, yes. stressed, oh my and gosh. you're just, like, I just want a coffee inside this coffee shop. <laughs> and now I'm just, like, I will open the door for everybody with a stroller or a wheelchair, whatever. I'm, like, I... I 100% yes. get it now. Yes. I'm now that awkward person that's actually like running to catch yes. up to a person at the door because I'm going to be able to do this. It is. Yeah. I remember one time I went to, I went to Target um, because Target is the best place to go on maternity leave in the U.S. Um, because oh. they have Starbucks inside of it. And so yes. you can just wander the aisles of Target, get your Starbies um and then just envision and everybody else is there with kids so Mm -hmm. if your kid has a meltdown it's like what it's just part of the general background cacophony and so um but I remember there was one time that I was leaving and the automatic doors were broken and so I had to go through one of the manual doors and I had my Starbucks and my stroller and I'd bought a bunch of stuff so I had a ton of bags and the door just kept slamming on my hand that had the Starbucks and there was this like old man just kind of standing there laughing at me and I was like excuse me sir (laughs) this is is supposed to be the south like the land of chivalry like could you just help a girl out here seriously Um, and I was just like this is I I you know we have our beefs with the state of Texas um and that was certainly one of them because I was like you guys are supposed to be the land of the chivalrous and um the overly helpful gentlemen and I am not experiencing that no um yes I will talk about my Texas size beef that I have with the state of <laughs> Texas um I may not be allowed in Texas after I go on my Texas Texas rant but my god the people of Texas from what I've heard people say to you about your body and oh asking you if you are pregnant when you are postpartum yes it happens. Texas. It happens so often. And can I just say, you know, the thing that is weird about it is that it mostly happens from other women of like maternal age. And I'm like, you would think that other women would have my back here. But um, yes. the, the, the first time it happened, I remember I had just returned to work. Um, so I was maybe like four months postpartum. Um, and I was in an elevator. And I was feeling like I'd bought a couple of new dresses to get back into work. I was feeling good. I'd, you know, gotten the new mom job. Um, And so I was like, I feel like I'm finally presentable and put back together. And I get in an elevator and this girl looks at me and she's like, oh, look at your cute little baby bump. How far are you? And I was like, he's four months old. And the elevator just went dead silent. Mm. And um, there was another woman in there with her. And she was like, girl, you've got to stop doing that. This is the second person you've done that to recently. And I was like, I was like, so not only did she do this to me, but she had recently done it to another woman. 
and they were just like and they the, the look they gave me was in like the the other woman was obviously like she felt bad for me but the person who had said it she kind of seemed like she was mad at me for embarrassing her and i was like like lady you you're the one that said this yeah <laughs> but like but so that was that was my first experience and let me tell you it was not the last by far um it still happens to me on a very regular basis I actually had a dress the other day at work that after two consecutive people at a work meeting said something, I was like, okay, this dress is getting burned. <laughs> we are not ever wearing this again. I don't understand people of Texas, nay, people everywhere. Listen to me when I say this. We do not ask a lady if she's pregnant, how far along she is, unless she's literally crowning or brings up the fact that she's pregnant we don't do it it doesn't happen I will like ignore the pregnant person until she mentions something to me you know like (laughs) it's like it doesn't it's it's not there I'm not gonna ask about it unless you literally are crowning or you're going into labor or you're talking about it um I could have had a similar experience, but it was actually when I was pregnant with Jackson. Um, I So I'm super short. I'm five foot exactly. And I get, because I have such a short torso, I don't, I'm not like the cute, like, oh, couldn't <laughs> tell you were pregnant from the back. I'm yeah. literally, <laughs> I'm literally a ball when I'm pregnant. I'm like... <laughs> I'm like um, Violet Beauregard when she turned into (laughs) the blueberry. Like, I am massive. And with Jackson, my uterus was just like, oh, we've we've done this before. Okay, great. So I literally had a baby bump at like 12 weeks. I looked like I was six months pregnant. And I remember I had like a work party that I went to. And I think at this point I was maybe like 16 weeks pregnant and one lady came up to me and she was like, oh, like how many weeks do you have left? And I was like, 34 (laughs) or whatever. No, I can't do that. 24 weeks. And she was just like, she was speechless. Like she just, it was so awkward. It was like the the elevator went silent. It's like she went silent and then she just sort of wandered away because she like did not know what to say in that moment. And like, I got into fights with, I got into a legit fight with a man at my work because everyone with my first told me that I was having twins at work. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, nope, just one baby. And this one man literally was like, nope, there's two babies in there. And I'm like, sir, I've had the I'm not sure if you know how this works these days. <laughs> I'm like, I've, I've had an ultrasound. And he's like, babies can hide on ultrasounds. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. There's one in there. Like, things to not say to a pregnant person. Yeah. Like, well, and when I was pregnant with my first, there was another girl at the office who was due a week before me. And she and I have very different body types to begin with. I'm, I'm taller. She's a little bit shorter. I think she's probably about your height. Um, and so the same kind of thing, like her, you know, her bump was more pronounced just because she was shorter and it had nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. Um, and she also tended to wear more form fitting clothes than I did. Like I'm a big, you know, loose and flowy girl. Mm -hmm. So people at the office would compare us. They'd be like, Oh, you're only a week behind her. You're so much smaller. Like 
in her hearing. And I was like, okay, wh- what are we doing here? Why are, why are we, pit- why are we talking? First of all, why are we talking about people's bodies in the workplace at all? hundred percent. Um, all anywhere. Yes. Um, but second of all, like, why, why are you trying to do this weird, like baby bump comparison thing? Um, and it, it turned around on me on the other side when I was pregnant with my second because my coworker and really good friend in my in my job she and I were a week apart as well and I gained weight a lot faster than she did and they were like oh look at her she's so cute and little still and you're you're how far ahead of her and I'm like guys let's let's not do this please thanks yeah um, the, and the so pregnancy like can we just let's not yes I, I don't just, know what it is about pregnancy that makes people feel number one, that they can give opinions of all sorts of things, oh. but something about pregnancy makes people feel as though your body is now like in the public spectrum, like your body is now open and available for the discussing. And I, I mean, like I would be in the grocery store and people would be commenting on it when I would be like picking out fruits and vegetables, random strangers. Um, I would go, oh my gosh. I remember having a discussion at Jamba Juice. Um, while I was getting a smoothie where the guy was like, are you having a boy or a girl? And I said, a boy. And he was like, oh, did you like do any special positions to, to make sure you had a boy? Ew. I, was like, I was like, you are literally making me a smoothie right now, asking me what position I had sex with my husband in. Um, oh. So that is. Mm, <laughs> like, Texas. I just. Yeah. Texas, get it together. We. Yeah. We people. Don't... Yes. We don't need. We don't need the body commentary or the sex position commentary. Let's just. We let's... absolutely do not. No. Um, oh, what was I going to say? I was going to say something about. Oh, the touching as well. The touching of the belly. Oh my gosh, yes. Inappropriate. Do not touch. Do not touch yes. the belly unless someone has offered you to touch the belly. It's yes. awful. I don't like people touching me, especially strangers, touching my, 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 my belly when I don't no, want mm-mm. them to. Mm-mm. And I, like, I just don't really understand, like, I mean, I've, you know, been pregnant. I've had two babies now and I don't get an urge to ever touch anybody else's belly. No. And I don't understand. I don't under- So I don't understand the urge to begin with. So maybe that's part of the problem, but I just don't like, what are you getting out of it? What? I, I don't know. I just don't get it. I mean, I understand like if your partner is pregnant and you want to feel the baby kick because that is your baby and you're feeling a connection to them. Like I understand that perfectly, but just like random grocery store stranger, what are you getting out of this interaction? Like what is, what is happening here? Like I'm not a fluffy dog. You're not going to like all of a sudden get like a serotonin burst from touching my fluffy fur. Like it's, yeah. It's my, it's my fat belly. Like you're just, do I go up to you, sir, and touch your fat belly? No, I don't. Why are you touching mine? (laughs) It's, oh my God, I can't, I cannot. Okay. Well, Steph, thanks so much for coming on, for talking creepy strangers, (laughs) touching us. Thank you for having me. Of course. Anytime. And you are going to be back on next week, my friend, because we still have a ton to talk about, about the postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, um, and all that good stuff when it comes to mental health. So 
yeah, guys, look out for that one. That will be coming in next week and we will be coming in hot again with Steph from Texas. Um, Hopefully Texans can get it together uh, before then. And we're (laughs) going to talk all things postpartum. So thank you so much for being on and I will talk to you very soon. Bye. It's been a blast. Bye. This has been the Cat Mum Podcast, and I have been your host, Maggie Samiklahey. Until next time, let's keep supporting other mums like drunk girls in a bar bathroom.